Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. I'm Shane O'Hare of the Geekscape Games Podcast, the number one video game podcast on the Geekscape.network. Join myself, Derek Krenevelt, and a guest every fortnight as we discuss video game news, video game reviews, and dissections. That's Geekscape Games every two weeks on Geekscape.net. The ska boom was at peak explosion level in 1996 when the world was introduced to real big fish and their self-deprecating sense of humor. This week, we're joined by Christmas 365 host Dylan Lyles to discuss the summer of ska and the soundtrack to that summer, Sellout. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about a subject that I can talk without any notes. I don't need any notes for this episode. We're talking about Real Big Fish. And in specific, we're talking about sellout. So Dylan, why did you choose Real Big Fish sellout? All right. So I have seen Real Big Fish 20 plus times. They hold a very special place in my heart. They were my introduction 
to ska ska punk as i'm sure they were many people's introduction to ska and ska punk specifically and again i know it's very cliche with this band specifically seeing the movie basketball that came out in what 98 99 my love of south park as matt knows my love of south park and seeing that and while i am i'm I'm definitely i'm younger than both of you i was born in 92 so i didn't see it like in 98, I was not six years old watching basketball. Although that, that wouldn't be the craziest thing I saw at that age. <laughs> when I finally saw basketball and I heard this music, I was like, oh, I, I like this. I, I loved the pop punk scene that included Blink and Newfound Glory. And I was like, this is cool. This is like that music with a horn section because I wasn't that familiar with that type of music at the time. And that's when I realized that Real Big Fish was also doing spots on Nickelodeon. For the Wild Thornberries movie with their cover of Monkey Man. (laughs) So it all kind of came full circle. When I was in high school, I discovered their triple disc live album that they put out. I didn't see them live till 2010. So honestly, it was kind of just a couple years before Scott left the band. So thankfully, I, I did get to see them with Scott. And then I've seen them countless times with Scott countless times without Scott. But yeah, it's just a band that has a really uh, big place in my heart. I love this band. It has influenced a lot of the music I listen to today. And they led me down that rabbit hole of, remember that awesome music you loved in Tony Hawk Pro Skater? Well, guess what? There's an entire fucking scene of that music. And this is your gateway to that. Chris, did you notice the the thing that jumped out at me is that that triple disc live album uh, that brought you into Real Big Fish has has sort of a connection with how Chris and I became friends as well because the live DVD portion of that is directed by Jonathan London of Geekscape who introduced Chris and I. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it's all full circle, dude. I love it. You know, we don't... I didn't have notes for this episode. This is one thing I do need a note for. I feel like Sellout is one of those songs where it's Real Big Fish's biggest song, but was it technically like a hit song. I don't even know how high this peaked. I know it was on MTV a good bit, and obviously it was a popular song that you would hear on rock radio, but I don't know that this song necessarily was a hit in the way that a lot of songs on this show are hits. Sort of. So it on the modern rock chart, it peaked at number 10, which is decent. On the Billboard like US Airwaves, I'm not making this up. Couldn't have been a more appropriate spot, but Real Big Fish landed at number 69 on the Billboard (laughs) charts. That's where they peaked out at. So yeah, it's like just barely. Right. What's so weird to me is like, uh, you guys brought me on to talk specifically about Sellout, but Sellout was not even the first Real Big Fish song I heard. I mean, to me, because it wasn't of the time that the album came out, Turn the Radio Off, the first song that I heard constantly well, the two songs because of the basketball thing was beer and their cover of take on me. Like to me, those two songs are bigger. I was legitimately shocked when we were putting, when I was putting together a list of like bands that are one hit wonders and I saw real big fish. Cause I'm like, no, take on me definitely chart it. And it didn't make any waves on any, according to the billboard charts anyway, didn't appear on any chart. Well, even like a couple years ago when you told me you were first starting thinking about doing this show yeah you were like i want to have you on i'm like i want to do a ska song i didn't specifically say sellout because i assumed (laughs) much like you did 
that one of those two other songs were also on the chart. Also, the cover of Monkey Man was one of the only songs for them to chart in the UK. I don't know the Monkey Man song. I know that they put out a cover EP that was on it. Nothing but a good time. Talk dirty to me. Tom Petty won't back down, which years ago, I believe Chris had a campaign going that we should replace the national anthem with Tom Petty's uh, won't back down. I could support it. Such a better national anthem. (laughs) (laughs) Not written by a slave owner piece of shit. Way better song. (laughs) The Star Spangled Banner is a terrible song. Like it is awful. It's an awful song. I mean, that's not even me. That's I'm not talking shit on the United States. I'm just saying it's a bad song. It shouldn't be the national anthem. <laughs> well, I think that's appropriate. You saying like I'm not talking shit about the United States. It goes back to the whole like just standing. The, yeah, just argument. the song. It's like just I'm the- not talking shit about the fucking flag or America. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying we got some fucking problems, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, what I was gonna say about sellout, bringing it back to sellout, is this is a really interesting song to be a hit song it's catchy as hell it's fun sounding and it sounded a lot different than what was on the radio in the the mid to late 90s i mean other than you know this is around the same time that the boss stones hit i don't know if this hit before the impression that i get or after has to be after but what's interesting about this song to me is that You can't find a subject matter that's less relatable (laughs) to the average person (laughs) than having a ska band that is going to sign to a record label and become sellouts. There is such a small percentage of the population that can relate to the subject matter of this song. Maybe that percentage was slightly higher in the late 90s than now. It was maybe 0.000001% of the population as uh, opposed to 0.000000001% of the population (laughs) uh, of now. But the song's... Merit had to totally be on just the sound of the music and the fact that it made you feel good and happy and not so much what the actual subject matter of the song is, because I don't know how many people can relate to that, especially now. Maybe in the 90s, people could relate to that whole thing of like, you're you're signing to a major label, you're a sellout now. But now I don't think that anybody cares about record labels or the concept of selling out whatsoever i could be wrong about that but i don't think so yeah i feel like the song makes uh very little sense as good of a song as i still believe it is i think we were both looking it up what so sellout was 96 and impression i get was 97 97, whoa wow yeah real big fish walks so that the boston's (laughs) could run (laughs) i think where did you go was yeah pre, no 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 Boston's was definitely yeah this was one of those things where we were talking about we watched the Finn McKinley thing I don't even know what you guys are referencing <laughs> there's a video series called the punk rock NBA and it's this guy Finn McKinley and he does these video series about like what killed crunk core like what killed like 2000s pop punk music and usually they're very well researched and he did one for what killed ska punk and it was the like least research discussion about a genre of music i've ever listened to to put it into context matt actually made me back up to to watch this part again he goes there's a a documentary about 90s ska punk called pick it up i didn't watch the documentary but 
<laughs> but I watched the trailer. Yeah. That was the extent of his research for a YouTube video that gets millions of views is to just watch the trailer for a documentary and be like, I've got all the information I need to make my 20 minute video about a genre of music I've openly said I don't listen to. But credit where credit's due, rewatching that video with you is what led me to watching the How to Skank video. So. <laughs> Which is important info for anybody. Uh, I, I, it really is. I definitely have a storied past with Real Big Fish. So my yeah. first experience with them was someone handed me a cassette tape at Warp Tour 96 that had Everything Sucks on one side and I think Beer was on the other side. I don't even think Sellout was on that tape. I loved it. I mean, I loved ska punk music and i think at that point i already loved less than jake and suicide machines and operation ivy and rancid i liked it right off the bat i mean these guys they were awesome musicians i liked the way the music sounded and they became an inspiration for me wanting to start to play music and wanting to be good at bass and things like that it's right there for it when the whole ska punk third wave of ska got real huge i was right along for the ride and I loved it. I still love it. In 2005, I toured the entire summer with Real Big Fish, and uh, they are a solid as hell band, like one of the tightest bands that I've ever played with. Definitely killed it every night. I don't know. I can't say enough nice things about Real Big Fish. I think they're a really, really great band, and it feels weird to call them a one-hit wonder. I guess they are. Yeah. I mean, if anything... They are, to me, a zero hit wonder, <laughs> you know, because ca <laughs> calling sellout even a hit is even a little bit of a stretch. But I say that as a compliment to them, because I think their legacy and their catalog of work is much bigger than sellout, which I don't think is even near their best song. I do think I think beer is probably their best song, in my opinion. I would agree that turned the radio off album is flawless from front of 100 percent. I, I think what makes real big fish work so much as a band and i think that the first single being sellout it being their biggest song at least on the radio is very in keeping with them as a band in general is that they are such a self-aware band yeah their main purpose is to have fun you can tell that they're having fun whatever they're playing whenever they're writing whenever they're touring it's all about them having fun. I mean, they'll get down to business because it's a great live show. It always is between the the playing, their synchronicity, just being as one, even with, I think at this point, Aaron is the only member who's been there since the beginning, Yeah, I believe. But still, even with the addition of Matt, people like just people leaving and coming in, it's still such a tight-knit group. And like I said, the purpose is to have fun. They are an amazing gateway band into this genre like yes nowadays i'm not listening to real big fish as much as i was i still love the band every time they come out with a new album new song i'm gonna listen to it i'm gonna love it but i'm much more of a fan of less than jake suicide machines stuff like that is more what i listen to now but i still love real big fish and i will always love real big fish and going back to the one hit wonder thing it's so funny because Chris, like you were saying, these other songs are better. When I'm talking to people about Real Big Fish, Sellout is not the first song that gets brought up. Honestly, one of the main songs that gets brought up to me, specifically going back to that three-disc live album, 
is their like 11 minute rendition of suburban rhythm yeah. is is the song that i feel like most people talk about because of the way that they did it yeah definitely uh really loved the friendship and, and crossover of playing on each other's songs with goldfinger i think those first two goldfinger albums well more than just the first two goldfinger i love stomping ground too but i i I just think those are such good albums and uh, there was so much good musical output there. And also, yeah, I think that almost to a fault a little bit on the, especially the first album there, it's really a lot of songs about being a ska band (laughs) and like, it's really like, it's really specific and What's funny about it is I was in that very, very, very small percentage of people who felt like they could relate to those songs in one way or another because I played in bands that had some ska influence or whatever. And so I could put myself in those shoes when they're singing about like, oh, what would I do if I had that opportunity to sell? And like, it's also funny because it's also kind of irrelevant now the whole thing of like signing to a record label and instantaneously like oh you're famous now you signed to a record label that's not something that really happens anymore i think it just the whole game has changed and a lot of the themes are kind of irrelevant almost now but it doesn't change the heart behind the music it doesn't change the way that the music makes you feel regardless of what they're singing about uh, it's all. It always makes you feel good. I think Real Big Fish is a band that will always be around, and why shouldn't they be? You know exactly. And I think that's what keeps them going is that they are so fun. And another thing that keeps them going is their fucking work ethic. Because I think that's a band that maybe stops touring. I mean, obviously in the pandemic is a little different, but pre-pandemic, Real Big Fish maybe took like a month off of touring, <laughs> and then yeah. was touring. Yeah constantly and use use that time to usually record an album (laughs) exactly (laughs) and i mean constantly touring to a point where i stopped going to see them not because i was like like fuck real big fish but it was like okay i've seen this show i know what songs they're gonna play they do what you kind of want to see from a band that's been doing this for so many years which is like they'll pepper in one or two new songs but for the most part they're like we know that you're here because of these like three or four albums meant a lot yep, to you yep and i'm telling you just wait till we cover the real big fish christmas ep for christmas 365 because <laughs> i'm about it this is krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than jake and host of krista makes a podcast a songwriting podcast where every week i'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing recording and release of one iconic song from their career in our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music, or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. 
Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. I was going to ask you if there was a if there was a real big fish Christmas song, but I guess apparently there's a whole EP. That Christmas EP has I just want to celebrate, which is a great message where like I don't care what holiday you celebrate, I just want to have fun. Skank for Christmas, which he doubles down at the end. He's like, I'm talking about the dance. <laughs> <laughs> there's a Carol of the Beers. Where it's beer, 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 beer. You aren't selling me on this at all. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying it'll be fun to cover. You're saying it exists. Some of the bad okay. things yeah. are the best things to Look, cover. So, I mean, we're going to do episodes on all the different ICP Christmas albums at one point or another. So <laughs> There are multiple ICP Christmas albums? Songs, songs. There are okay. not multiple albums. All there right. are enough songs on different albums or and EPs that could probably compile. I love I love ICP. I just lost track of them after like the late nineties, you know, other than a song here and there that I would hear. But I, I'm definitely down with the clown still. I just I mean kept up with the music. Good choice, it. dude. Um I will go on record and I have gone on record saying that ICP after two thousand four does not exist to me. Because they put out Hell's Pit and then Jay completely forgot how to rap on beat. But if you want to talk twisted, I will talk twisted till the day I die. And I don't I will... get into the the, IC, the other the ICP <laughs> affiliate groups. I don't the get multiverse into. of hey, ICP. No, I don't. Hey, now I, don't. I will get offended if you guys sit here and say that twisted is is just an affiliate. They've got they've got some bops. They do not associate with the clowns anymore, and I'm for it. Whoa! I hope that that people finally give them their just dessert. You know, hey, one thing I wanted to talk about. There is this. I don't know if I want to call it myth or belief that like after 1998 or 99 or something that ska just died. That was the end of ska, man. Well, you know what that was the end of? That was the end of all the poser ska bands. But yeah, but the fucking real bands, less than Jake, real big fish, mighty, mighty Boston's, you know, the, the, the bands, that you know, rancid, whatever, all the real bands kept it real, kept a huge, following up until now and whatever there was yeah there was that little burst but all the safe ferrises disappeared all the bands that like were popular for a minute and then moved on to the next thing yeah they're gone and it's over and as far as i'm concerned that's good but the bands that killed it the bands that kept it real and were awesome are still around today still making great music still touring still you know, still have a career regardless of that 
third wave boom and of hey, the 90s. as soon as you throw shots and i apologize for this as soon as you throw shots at fake ferris i'm all i'm yeah, all they, for this i mean they suck so. they suck like well i mean i like their like mistaken song or whatever but like that yeah that we did an episode about come on eileen well which okay come on eileen is fine but i'd rather just listen to the original <laughs> yeah and then the rest of that i listened to the rest of that album which i surprisingly i liked like every ska band but i wasn't into it at the time and i listened to it now and i'm like i don't even none of these songs even do anything for me and that band seemed to have formed blown up off a cover changed their sound by the next album and like so that band is meaningless to me whereas like you know real big fish yeah Austin jake yeah you brought suicide machines like all the, all the good bands like one way or another they kept it going you know and and i think that's awesome and styles of music are going to have their their moment or whatever but the the artists that are great from that style are going to keep going and real big fish is one of those bands there's a huge ska scene still it's just not on the radio i mean i was just playing a bunch of music for matt on our drive to get lunch like there are a bunch of ska bands out of the uk right now still like popes of chili town the skints i mean there is a huge ska scene that i can't stand when people are like oh i can't wait for the new ska revival like it's happening yeah. it's well, just I mean, not on the radio but none of that music's on the and radio. this is something that we could i mean this is a much deeper conversation right yeah but the stuff that is popular ultimately ends up being what is like pop culture as a whole pushing on us regardless yeah so like you could know maybe five people in your entire life that enjoy like that really truly enjoy like what we would describe as like bro country yeah but if the record companies want everyone to be into bro country it's going to be in commercials it's going to be in this that like the ska bands never went away just the attention being given to them went away and that's the same thing with country there are amazing country artists out there still right now but what's being pushed is that bro country, that Florida Georgia line, that Luke Bryan stuff. It's not the same. Like, listen to a guy by the name of Coulter Wall. Amazing country artist. If you want to go darker, Amigo the Devil. He plays country music. Yeah. Like, and he's amazing at it. There are many different artists. I don't subscribe to that idea that, like, oh, guitar music is dead or rock music is dead or whatever. No, it's just not what's playing on the radio. And really, it's 2021. Who's listening to the radio for that? Yeah. The problem with any style of music is that people can get burnt out on a particular style of music when there's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a band. And then it's just like, okay, enough. And the example that I can think of is like the used came, came out and I, I love that first used album and and the second one like it's great it's like a, aggressive but it's still melodic and it's heavy yet it's still poppy it's this great style of music really really loved it but then there just became there's all these bands trying to emulate that but not doing it as good to the point where it's just like oh my god i do not want to see another warp tour band on this stage screaming and then singing like it was just torture you know it just became and then that kind of faded away or whatever it's the same thing that could happen with skies like once there's a you have the bands that are great at it but yeah once there's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy then it's not if, if people aren't bringing something unique or original to the style of music then yeah people are going to get burned out on it real quick and they talked about you know we just had him on the podcast but taylor talked about in the pick it up documentary is like by the end of that boom ska music was being used in the background of like 
pizza roll commercials and toy store commercials. And like, yeah, then at that point, it just sounds like, I don't know, just doesn't even sound like real music or something. And then, you know, people can get burned out on it. But the the real music with real emotion behind it, which Real Big Fish had that. I would go to bat a million times that I think that Drunk Again off Cheer Up is like one of the best yeah. songs I've ever heard. And they can change it up yeah. like that, right? Especially with that record is is a lot of those songs on there, while they may sound happy, are, are not that happy. Yeah. They hit a part in their later career where their songs got real fucking dark. Dude, one <laughs> like, of, so one of the scariest moments I've ever had is I fell asleep while listening to We're Not Happy Till You're Not Happy. Have you listened to the last song on that no. record? If you listen to the last song on that record, the song ends, but there's like, 10 minutes left of the album and what happens is like you're listening and all of a sudden you'll just start hearing this screaming like it it is just i think it's like just aaron just screaming death metal vocals into the microphone (laughs) and then there'll be like a creepy clip of like just some singing and then scott starts singing a song it's real weird like i implore both of you to to listen to the last song on we're not happy till and you're it's not your happy. Your guts, I hate them. Is the last yes, song. On yes. It. Yeah. So that song ends, which is a fantastic song, but two minutes of silence goes by, and then screaming, like I mean, screaming, dude. It it freaked me out the first time I heard it because I fell asleep listening to the record. That, so that happened, Chris. Have you ever had that happen when you fall asleep to an album and the the hidden track startles you <laughs> awake? Yeah, I remember that when I listened to CDs and stuff, which I'm sure you still do, Matt. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, the creepiest last song on an album, which I, I might put it on after this podcast, but I don't know if I want to ruin my day, <laughs> is did you guys happen to like the Pearl Jam Vitalogy album? Oh, yeah. That's a creepy fucking ending to an album. Dude, it's called Hey Foxy Mop Handle Mama That's Me is like the name that of the last fun. track. And yeah. it is the creepiest, creepiest <laughs> song. And the only thing that I think can rival it in, creepy, in creepiness kind of is when I was a kid, I had the cassette single of Sophie B. Hawkins' Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. Great song, by the way. The B-side of the Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover thing was some song where she just talks about Hansel and Gretel having sex with each other. It was was the side B of Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. I miss the hidden tracks. With the rise of streaming, there's no more hidden tracks. I know one I really liked was on the Nine Inch Nails Broken EP. I forget how many songs were on that. There was maybe like six or eight or something, but a CD would would count all the way up to 99. So I know Korn's Follow the Leader did like some like muffledness for like the first 12 tracks and the actual album doesn't start till track 13. Typo Negative did it like three or four albums where like I think October Rust literally is like, it's like skipping and the beginning of it. And it's really fun to listen to on vinyl because you're like, damn it, something's fucked up with the record. (laughs) But it's like... And then Peter Steele in the most Peter Steele voice is like, I hope you liked our little prank there. <laughs> now enjoy Typo Negatives, October Rust. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Chris, you've seen Gremlins 2, right? I only recently found out about Gremlins 2, and I can't even remember why. Maybe, did you guys do a horror movie night about it or something? We did do a horror movie night on it, yeah. It has nothing to do with Gremlins 1. It's like a parody of it, basically. It's kind yeah, of a kind parody of. of it. There was a point where if you saw Gremlins 2 in the theaters, the Gremlins rip out the the film 
from the projector. Yeah. And they have to go into the movie theater and get Hulk Hogan to yell at the I gremlins remember that, yeah. to start the movie up again. Ah. They did something similar on the VHS tape where the gremlins distorted the tape and they had to start putting a warning sticker on the tapes because so it. many people were returning the tapes to the video store thinking it was broken. For the VHS, like they would have fixed it and put like Randy Savage in there. <laughs> we're, we're not Hulkamaniacs in this household. No, I mean, I mean, looking back, I can't believe I used to root for Hulk back in the day. Like what an asshole. And Randy Savage is so cool. Like I like yeah. I like him. Be a man, but even Hogan. If you, if you go to like, even if you go back to that storyline of the mega powers colliding, like I would have had a problem with Hulk fucking with Miss Elizabeth as well. <laughs> yeah, so, like, right. I I that's when understand. I watched. That's that's literally when I watched wrestling was like that WrestleMania five, and yeah. I I, I couldn't even buy the pay per view. I wasn't allowed, so I just read about it in WWF magazine and stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was a little kid. But uh, that's that's like when I cared about wrestling, and, and I, I look back, I'm like, why did I root for Hogan now? Yeah, he's like, such a douche, uh, and now we an find asshole. out he's racist too. Yeah, Jesus, thought, how the fuck do you guys still watch wrestling? So let me just say, let me just say, I am an avid, not so I don't even want to say avid right now because the pandemic's kind of taken me out of the whole thing. But I will watch like AEW and like New Japan stuff, like a lot of indie stuff as well. WWE, I get all of my information post TV show. So I will listen to like podcasts on my drive of what's going on. I will stay informed, but watching, no. Now I have friends who will sit there. I'm in a group chat and they'll just sit there and bitch all night. And I will constantly say, you could be doing anything else with your time right now. So there's a, have you seen uh, the JCW DVDs? No. From back in the day. The JCW was Juggalo Champion Shit Wrestling. (laughs) I remember it. I kind of remember it. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to... I really do like when, whether it's movies or TV or whatever, does things that messes with people. I mean, obviously, there's the famous Andy Kaufman, you know, and his special making the the screen loop. So people thought something was wrong with their TV. That's pretty amazing. So real big fish. Yeah. yeah real so big wait, fish. wait, wait. This is leading me to um did did the Aquabats have a a hit at all? No. So what, I don't did think Super the Rad Aqu- did the Super Rad hit the charts at I don't all? Think Cuz if it does, ever. I want to come back. I mean, they end up cre- <laughs> they end up creating a kids show, which I think is an amazing thing to do with your yeah. notoriety. I I think that's such Hell a yeah. creative way to go about capitalizing on your success is just I think that's more important than ever. I'm always having conversations like this when it comes to music and like, okay, we live in a time of streaming now, so you're not going to sell albums and you can't rely on anything. Like even in the mid 2000s, you could rely on, oh, we got on this compilation CD and that's going to like expose us to a lot of people. Well, that's not a thing anymore. And there's just a, a few gatekeepers who decide who gets on the big playlists and stuff. If you don't feel like messing with that stuff in the world, you have to carve your own path. And do creative yeah. things to make people care. More than ever, you have to use your creativity and not just rely on like, oh, I wrote a good song and hope that that good song gets out there. But using your brain and using your creativity to like do something original to make people hear you, uh, I think that's more important than ever. And I think that's cool. The Aquabats did that. Honestly, I could sit here and talk like ska music all fucking day. So to wrap it up here. I think, I, do we even need to go around? I mean, we're all going to give Real Big Fish the thunder. And Hell yeah. Real Big Fish is a great band. 
I hope they stay a band forever. Um, you know, if if someone, I I, I kind of feel like even if you don't like their music, if you don't at least respect them, you're an asshole because they've been yeah. around forever. They're phenomenal musicians. You know, I know they've had a lot of lineup changes, but I've never seen them sound bad. Aaron Barrett, as the band leader, has put together great musicians all along the way, written a lot of great songs, nothing but respect for them. And if you're going to talk shit, then you're an asshole. <laughs> and exactly. I, and if you're going to talk shit, I'll promise you that that I listen to way cooler music than you do, and you're an <laughs> asshole. And I, <laughs> And that's all there is to it. You know, a hundred percent. And if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to real big fish in years, I would honestly go, go listen to real big fish now because it's just as good as you loved it back in the day. They literally just put out an album like either last year or the year before. And it's great. If you're wondering where ska is gone, ska is still around. Ska is still alive. Like either just type in, just Google modern ska bands and you will be like just hit in the face with a plethora of bands it's still a thriving scene it's just not on the radio but you know what fuck the radio yeah man just turn the radio off why is he right when i said good night to you and you're never there this has been one hit thunder one hit thunder is hosted by chris Ophios of the band's punchline pack and another cheetah and produced by matt kelly of geekscape.net Underneath me, you're hearing Why Is He Right off Punchline's album, Action. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit WeKnowPodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing OneHitThunderPodcast at gmail.com and make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. <laughs>